Hey, Bill, longtime listener Jeremy with a bone to pick. Over the last couple of years, two decisions from Nintendo have completely baffled me. The first was the complete lack of DLC support for Mario Party, which as you know was met with both decent reviews as well as sales, but was widely criticized for having a shortage of content. Paid DLC seemed like a win-win for producers and consumers, but Nintendo stayed quiet. And the other head-scratcher involved Shun Nakamura, the director of Sonic Team, publicly saying that he desperately wanted to bring his wildly fun Maraca game Samba de Amigo to the Switch because he thought the detachable Joy-Cons were a perfect fit for the gameplay. Why wouldn't Nintendo give their blessing? But now it all makes sense. The Switch Lite. The more games or content they release with required motion controls, the more new adopters will feel ripped off when they can't participate. But the idea of current Switch owners having their options neutered to accommodate a more limited iteration fills me with rage. So thank you for your thoughts and I hope you're having a great summer break. Hello, look! Hey! Listen! On episode 369 of Nintendo Switchcraft, first impressions of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, Joy-Cons may be headed to court, the Wii U Part 2, those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Hi, this is Joshua from New Brockton, Alabama, and you're listening to Nintendo Switchcraft. Brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like you. Get Switchcraft and my other uh, content ad-free for as little as a dollar uh, over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you want to leave a voicemail just like at the beginning of the show, uh, do that by heading on over to runjumpstomp.com slash voicemail from any device, and I may even play it on the show. My puppet body is ready. All right, let's 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 get started. Uh, first off, before we go anywhere, I want to talk about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. That game came out today, and I spent the last, I don't know, probably three hours playing it. Uh, we streamed it over at my Twitch channel. Uh, I did my first look, which you are going to be able to find over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. Uh, and then after I finished recording the YouTube video, I streamed it on uh, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp for a little while. Uh, I, I played a little bit solo, and I played some with my son. He got home from Summer Wreck and uh, came upstairs, and, and we sat down and, and played Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 for a little bit. And again, this is only after about three hours with the game. So, you know, my my impressions may change after I play some more. In fact, I'm sure that they will. But here's my first impressions with the game. Number one, everybody and their brother has said the same thing, and they are absolutely right. The camera in this game is awful. It is really, really bad. So first off, uh, there's a couple different modes for the camera. The f- mode number one is is classic and uh with that you can only pan the camera side to side you there is no up and down uh and the camera is fairly zoomed out so that you can see all of the players all right cool uh mode number two is called heroic when you go into heroic mode it kind of zooms in a lot more but now you can go left and right up and down but you're zoomed in more 
I thought that I would like that one more because I gives me the freedom to move it up and down. Uh, turns out I don't like that one more. I like classic way, way, way better. Uh, and then mode three is when you play in multiplayer. I felt like I couldn't, I, it might've just been the, the area that we were in when my son and I were playing together. We could not control the camera at all in multiplayer mode, which I guess kind of makes sense because what are you going to do? I have both people trying to control the camera. That would be really, really frustrating. Uh, maybe if they had done split screen or something like that, but then if they, if they do split screen, the game won't look as nice or we'll have to deal with lower frame rates or something like that. And at the end of the day, I think, I think that if you're going to play this game, uh, avoid heroic camera at all costs because it's really not good. And uh, I was very frustrated that I could not pan the camera uh, vertically uh, in classic mode. Uh, that being said, classic mode really is like that's the default. And I feel like that's the best mode. But overall, the camera in this game is just very frustrating. There's times when you can control it. There's times when you can't. And it has to do with like the ceiling height, I believe. Uh, which I found to be like, just don't, don't put a ceiling in the game. Like I've played plenty of games where there's no ceiling and like, like look at Diablo, you know, you play a Diablo game, you've got that top down view there. They just don't worry about the ceiling. You don't have to build a ceiling in order for us to believe this game. Uh, anyway, I, the camera is, is just hot trash and it's so very frustrating. Okay. Um, now I want to talk about difficulty. Uh, there's two difficulty modes. And just so you know, as far as I know, because I tried to find the option to change after I started, you, I don't think that you can change uh, which difficulty mode you are on once you have already started the game. So you have to make this decision at the very beginning. Uh, and I started with like, so there, there's two modes, there's heroic difficulty and then friendly difficulty. And, uh, I figured oh, I'll go with heroic difficulty because they said this is for somebody who is familiar with action games. Uh, so that's the mode that I decided to go with. And, uh, probably after about an hour, I said, nope, this is terrible. I don't like this difficulty. Every character, every single enemy, even the low level ones, they all felt like just damaged sponges. They like you'd have to just wail on them all day long in order to kill them. So the difference between friendly and heroic is just the number of hit points the enemies have and the number of da uh, the amount of damage that they do. And I can see why they might do that. In fact, that's what's done in most games. But what I would very much prefer is if instead of doing that, the the game just has. Uh, I don't know, more mechanics that I have to worry about when I'm playing in heroic difficulty. Because instead of making it harder, it just makes everything take longer. So I went back to the beginning and started over on friendly difficulty, and it was way more fun. All right, next thing. Uh, light attacks versus heavy attacks. So let's talk about the combat. Uh, light attacks versus heavy attacks. I don't feel like... The, like in most uh, button masher games, you get combos where it's like uh, XXY or YXX or, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. I didn't feel like there was much in that way in this particular game. That could be because I haven't gotten far enough to unlock that stuff yet. I mean, and, and if this changes, I will, of course, let you know. But as I was playing, I just constantly felt like it didn't matter which of those two buttons I hit. 
Um, now, there are some enemies who will have a purple bar underneath their uh, underneath their hit points bar or their health bar. And what you do is you have to deplete that purple bar by wailing on them. And then they will get stunned for a short time, which allows you to really lay down the hurt on them through your uh, extra abilities. So uh, you also have extra abilities that you every character starts with one, and I'm assuming that as you go, you will unlock four of them for each character. Uh, you access these by hitting the right button and then your face buttons. Um, so basically what you want to do is use those a bunch. That uses up your blue energy. And as you're fighting, as you're playing the game, you're slowly filling up your yellow energy, which you then can, when it's filled, you can use... Um, L and R together in order to attack uh, with like your big attacks, like your really, really big attacks. So typically what you would do, let's say you're in a boss fight, you wail on the boss until the purple bar is gone. They're stunned for a moment. You then you get in everybody in there and you spam L and R so that everybody in your group, all four players, uh, they can really lay the hurt down on uh, the enemy. I found it to be relatively fun. Again, the light versus heavy attack didn't really feel like a choice I really cared about. It just felt like different animations. Um, and it didn't feel like there was any combo chaining that I could really do. In addition to all that, uh, remember when I told you that you can hold down R and press the face buttons? They also have this thing called Synergy. Uh, each each uh, set of characters have syn- has synergies, and the way that these work is you set off your your ability by by hitting R and uh, your face button, and then you have to quickly switch to another character that happens to be standing right next to that character that you were just controlling and press A. And I was trying my damnedest to get this to work, and it was just so very frustrating. And eventually, I just said, okay. I'm done switching characters. I'm going to stay as, like I was playing as Star-Lord. I'm going to stay as Star-Lord. And I'll just let the AI do its own thing. So the AI started doing their abilities. And then I would hit, like a little a little uh, arrow would shoot from them to me. And I would hit my A button. And then the synergy would go off. And it would work. A, it worked a lot better that way. I imagine that this works pretty well in multiplayer. But in single player... It was just horrible. It was very, very frustrating to play that way. And everything that I've said so far makes me sound like I hate this game. And I don't. I was actually having a lot of fun with it once I stopped playing on heroic mode and I stopped using the heroic camera and I stopped trying to control every character at once because you have a team of four and you're trying to control all four of them at once. It, it's just not fun. You're too busy. There's too much to do. Once I just focused on playing as one character uh, using the classic uh, camera and the using the friendly difficulty, my level of enjoyment with this game went through the roof. And then my son got home from the beach and he came upstairs and I handed him uh, the, the, uh, the, the second controller and we went through and we killed like two or three bosses and I had a lot of fun and I think he did too. Uh, the game is just really, it's really good if you play it the right way. And if you play it the wrong way, then you're going to be frustrated. Let's talk about the graphics for a second because um, I feel like when I first started playing, 
uh, you know, there's obviously this juxtaposition uh, against these uh, with the uh, the cutscenes, which look gorgeous, and then the in-game stuff, which looks a little janky. Um, is once you get past the cutscenes and you're in the in-game stuff, and you're in the in-game stuff for a while, you stop noticing the jankiness, especially with all of the stuff moving around the screen. So I feel like the game looks really good. The the presentation for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I feel like is fantastic. The voice acting is on point, without a doubt. It is wonderful. Uh, the, the characters feel like they're doing imitations of the MCU characters, and or the voice actors, I mean, feel like they're doing like, uh, like the Peter Quill actor, uh, which I guess somebody in chat in our Twitch chat told me that that was the same people from the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game, uh, which is awesome that they went out and got those voice actors for that. Um, that the P- Peter Quill voice actor sounded like he was doing his best uh, Chris Pratt impression and. It didn't bother me at all. I felt it. I, I felt like it was awesome. It made me feel at home in this universe because I don't have a lot of experience with the Marvel universe outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because outside, I, I've never really read the comics. Uh, I have watched some of the cartoons, uh, like the X Men cartoon from back in the day, um, and I've sat down and watched some of the Spider Man cartoons with my son. Uh, the Green Goblin sounded like he was doing impressions of Mark Hamill's Joker. And, and it was all just, it was pretty good. Oh my God, Nick Fury. The guy was channeling Samuel L. Jackson without a doubt. Uh, so the, I feel like the writing and the voice acting and the graphics, those things together, the presentation for the game are pretty damn good. Uh, the gameplay is good if you play it the right way. But if you try and play solo and are trying to micromanage your team, I think that you're going to get really frustrated really quickly, especially if you're playing on heroic difficulty and you're using that and that camera is just garbage. So uh, overall, I think that it's a pretty good game and I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I'm hoping that I can play a lot of it this week because next week is going to be all about um, Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, man, July is just packed with some amazing games. All right, so those are my initial thoughts on uh, on Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. If you are watching this on YouTube, I would love it if you could, well, first off, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe if you haven't, but right down below, I want you to, to uh, let me know what is your team that you're going to use in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3? Like, what are the four characters that you want to focus on? Uh, I will tell you this. You start as the Guardians of the Galaxy, and you don't have to play for very long before you unlock a significant portion of the roster. Um, everybody who's listening to this or watching it on Twitch uh, or listening to it while you're doing the dishes or something, good on you for getting those dishes done. Uh, but once you're done... Tweet at me or email me, runjumpstop at gmail.com, or tweet at me who are your four characters that you're going to play uh, that you're going to focus on uh, in uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors. And after that, we're going to talk about a uh, Joy-Con lawsuit. Be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Let's review the numbers. Sega Genesis is 16 bits. 3DO is 32 bits. The Atari Jaguar is 64 bits. Which is more advanced? Clifford! Clifford doesn't know the answer to that question, but you know what other questions he doesn't know the answer to? is are we going to get a lawsuit for about the Joy-Con drift? You guys have heard me talk about the the Joy-Con drift a lot because it, it affected me. I spent money to get the electrical contact cleaner spray, uh, and I tried using that to clean it. It made my home button stop working. I bought a kit to get the right screwdrivers to take my Joy-Con apart, And then I realized that the kit does not come with skill, which I have none of. So uh, I spent a long time putting this thing back together and my home button was even worse after doing this. Uh, And then, of course, I had a a listener who was incredibly generous and they said, hey, Bill, send me your Joy-Con. I'll fix it for you. And I did and they did and they are awesome. Uh, So big thank you to them. And, uh, you know, the Joy-Con drift, I'm not alone in this. Of course, I do think that the number of people who are experiencing Joy-Con drift are not nearly as high as it seems because the people who are not experiencing it obviously are not complaining about it. You know, they're they're just simply playing their games. Uh, so it seems like it's a huge problem, and it might be, but it also might be a huge problem for a small number of people, and there's really no way to know. Well, right now... There is a law firm who is is talking about doing a class action lawsuit against Nintendo uh, to try and um, uh, you know make Nintendo uh, pay for this Joy-Con nonsense with all of the drift that we've been dealing with, and it's it's kind of a big deal. Uh, so just because you the, like the the law firm is is looking at this doesn't mean that the lawsuit is going to happen. The lawsuit could still just come up and do nothing. Uh, this comes to us via GoNintendo.com. Uh, it says here, talk of Nintendo Switch Joy-Con has been part of a discussion with fans since day one, but the recent thread on Reddit seems to have reignited the anger from fans all over. Some players have experienced the Joy-Con drift with their joysticks reading input that the player is not doing, uh, has happened to me, and others have not had an issue. Those who suffer from the problem are looking for Nintendo to offer up a fix, and now a law firm is taking matters into their own hands. The law offices, I feel like I'm going to do a... Whenever I... You know, the idea that I'm about to say, the law offices of, I feel like I'm doing a commercial for them. I'm not. But I just want to let people know about this in case you are interested in it. Uh, They said the law offices of uh, Kimiclase, 
Schwartz, Kreiner, and Donaldson Smith are looking to hear from Switch owners who have experienced Joy-Con drift. If you are one of these people, they want you to fill out their form with all of the details. If enough people pool together and there's sufficient evidence of a widespread issue, the law firm will consider filing a class action lawsuit. And then you can follow the link in the show notes over at runjumpstomp.com. This is episode 369 uh, if if it's affecting you. Okay, so I know that there's a lot of people who will see this, they will read the headline only, and then they will not ever know, do anything else about it. So they'll see the headline and they'll be like, oh, look at this, the Nintendo's getting sued. Well, not yet. We don't know if Nintendo's getting sued. It depends on how many people fill out that thing and if there's enough evidence that shows that it's a widespread problem. Uh, because if, if there's not enough people fill that out and there's not enough evidence that it's a widespread problem, then this law firm is not going to spend money going after them. Now, what's going to happen in the long run? Well, maybe Nintendo will fix your Joy-Cons for free. I was on an episode of Breaking the Panel the other day. It's a show that some of my friends do. And they were talking about Joy-Con Drift. In fact, in the middle of the episode, uh, I was not in the episode. They sent me a message and they're like, Bill, we need you on here right now. And I was like, okay, cool. So I I was watching uh, a buddy of mine stream Alien Isolation on Twitch. I said, I'll see you later, buddy. I closed it. I hopped on and we talked about this and I I went through my thoughts on there and I've gone through my thoughts on this before. So I'm not going to retread all of that stuff again. If you want to hear my full thoughts on the Joy-Con drift, uh, go over to breaking the panel and listen to that or go back a few episodes and listen to my, my opinion on it before. I don't want to reach whoops. I don't want to retread everything. Um, However, what I will say is that one of the other panelists on Breaking the Panel was talking about the fact that they called Nintendo and Nintendo said, we'll fix this for four bucks. Four bucks is not that bad. I think that that's pretty decent. It's basically shipping. Uh, So I think it would be better if Nintendo fixed it for free. And that means no shipping costs at all. Uh, all whether it's in warranty or not, honestly, because I feel like that this is definitely an issue, and I probably I probably would have been better off had I called Nintendo. Not that not that the listener who fixed my Joy Cons didn't do a good job, Ralph, but uh, listener Ralph fixed my Joy Cons did a great job. Um, but I spent a bunch of money trying to fix them myself and I would have spent a lot less just sending them to Nintendo. Uh, anyway, I'm curious if, if any of you are, uh, if any of you are going to sign up for this class action lawsuit, uh, if you are, of course on YouTube, let me know down below or email me or get a hold of me on Twitter. I'm very curious what you guys think of it. Do you think it's getting blown out of proportion or do you think it is a serious issue that Nintendo needs to deal with? Uh, Okay, this is a very interesting uh, topic. I got a tweet from at Grills Von Sizzle, who every time I see his both his avatar and his uh, uh, his name, it always makes me laugh. Uh, But he says, do you think the Switch Lite will be able to? Uh, sorry, I just closed it. Will, do you think the Switch Lite will be able to be paired to an OG Switch so that it can be used as a controller? This would allow some Wii U gamepad functionality as asymmetrical 
co-op. I doubt this would happen, but it seems like an interesting possibility. All right, so what do I think about this? Well, first off, do I think that the Switch Lite could be used as a controller for the Switch? Nintendo has done this before. Uh, when Smash Brothers 4 came out on the Nintendo Switch, or I'm sorry, on the on the Wii U, you could use a 3DS uh, to control uh, your character in Smash, which was pretty great. Why was it great? Because if you had, like, the, the, you could have, like, up to eight players, right? But we didn't have eight controllers at my house. So what we did is we had some people using Joy-Cons, or not Joy, oh my God, uh, some people using Wii remotes, some people using, uh, like, the, the, the Wii U gamepad, some people using the Wii U Pro Controller, uh, and then other people using 3DSs. And we were all able to play. It certainly wasn't fair because some people had better control options than others, but we were just having fun and goofing around. Um, but I thought it was really cool that we were able to use our our extra hardware as uh, extra controllers for the Nintendo Switch. Or, damn it, I can't stop saying that. Uh, for the Wii U. I thought it was really interesting that they did that. Is it possible that Nintendo will allow you to use a uh, Switch Lite as a controller for the Switch. I think that's perfectly possible. Will it have Wii U functionality? And there I say no. Uh, the, 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 the Wii U had a very important thing. It, it was able to stream... Say what you want about the Wii U. It was, a, it was a ridiculous failure. They only sold 13 million copies of the console. But... But, and this is a big but, you know, like Sir Mix-a-Lot, big but, all right? This was, it was really impressive what they were able to do by streaming the games from the Wii U to the gamepad at 60 frames per second. That was incredible that they were able to pull that off, especially that they were able to pull that off when they launched the Wii U, however many years ago that was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Now, the, the Wii U was designed specifically to do that. The Switch was not. So, or at least I don't think it was. Uh, I've, been, I've been wrong about this before, uh, where, you know, I said that uh, there's no way that they're going to do something with VR for the Switch, and then, of course, they bring out Labo, you know? Uh, it's, it wouldn't be the first time that I've been wrong, but I highly doubt that the Switch is able to stream like to handle everything that it has to do and stream at a decent frame rate from the switch to another console like the 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 screen and that's the only way that this asymmetric stuff would work however is it really necessary uh because you know what you're asking their grills von sizzle uh what you're asking is can we connect our consoles together to play asymmetric co-op? Sure, if you've got a bunch of switches. You know what I mean? Like, that that's just multiplayer. You don't have to actually stream anything to the other Switch. So, is it possible that we could get some asymmetric multiplayer games that uh, utilize multiple Switches? I think that that is possible. Uh, is that going to be the main way to play those games? Probably not. And the reason is, is because you need multiple switches in order to take advantage of that. So that at best, that would be like uh, a, an extra feature that would come into play 
uh, in that way. Does that make sense? I, I hope, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. Um, but I would love to see, uh, where I've got a switch. My son's got a switch. My wife's got a switch. And the three of us are all playing a game together like Nintendo land where one of us is playing as, uh, like, uh, Oh God, what was the name of that game? Um, uh, in Nintendo land, there was the one where you were Mario and everybody's trying to catch Mario, uh, and like Mario could see the whole map and the other people could only see parts of it. Oh, hey, I just remembered. We already have an example of this on the Switch. Uh, in um, Namco something or other, I can't remember what it's called. Maybe Twitch chat will remind me what this is. Namco something. Uh, and in in Namco, whatever it's called, it came with a mode call, uh, of Pac-Man versus, And you could download for free the client to connect to the other switch uh, for Pac-Man versus so that one of you played Pac-Man and the other people were playing as ghosts and everybody like one of you had it up on the TV and the other person had just their switch in their hands and you were able to play that asymmetrical multiplayer. So we already have an example of this, but it's not streaming anything from your switch to another switch. It's just multiplayer stuff uh which is which is pretty cool and uh i like that we already have this all right we're coming up on 20 something minutes already so uh what i'm going to do is i'm going to save the rest of these stories for tomorrow's episode um however what i will say is i did tweet out and I think I talked about the, about this on the last episode. Do you think the Nintendo Switch model with the better, better battery life is worth upgrading to? Uh, reply with your reasons. I'll read them on the show. I got a few more replies. Uh, so let's let's take a look at those. Uh, first off, uh, where is it here? Uh, TV's Travis says, I don't have a Switch. So for me, it would be a no-brainer to get a new one. So hey, if you don't have one, of course you want to get the new one. Make sure you get the one with the red box, though uh pkj1980 says with an external battery it makes it less appealing i would have much more than just better battery life to entice me uh say i don't know selling uh who's at gamescom right now lucky uh they said i won't buy a new console just to play longer it would need more adjustments to consider it uh brian scolo says i have a 20 milliamp hour i think they mean twenty thousand milliamp hour battery that will change charge my switch 2.5 times i'm good uh steph stephane champagne uh hopefully i didn't screw your name up they said maybe if you are a core handheld player what's interesting is that the regular switch will have a better battery life than the light which is supposed to be the handheld focus console if battery life is your concern, you'll be better served with a regular updated switch. And I kind of talked about this in the last episode or maybe two episodes ago, uh, where really the idea that we've got the switch, the switch light, and then the new switch, which isn't really like a switch pro or anything. It's just upgraded or, um, updated. I, I, you know what, that's, that's a good thing that I want to make sure that I point out. I want to stop saying upgraded and I just want to say updated because it's not more powerful it's just more efficient. Uh, so the more efficient switch or the newer one, uh, and once the older ones are gone, those newer ones are going to uh, just replace them. So it's not like there's actually three switches in the market. So you have to decide what's more important to you as a consumer. Is it more important that it is lighter and smaller 
or is it more important that it can dock and have a longer battery? And that's a pretty, it's a pretty important question. And I think for a lot of people, it's going to take a long time for them to think about that. Uh, last person says, uh, Nintendo Krog, uh, says if my switch were broken, then this is perfect. $300 for a battery battery life isn't a good financial decision. Maybe we'll find out in a few months. There's a modest performance overclocking improvement though. Uh, and they use the hashtag switchcraft, which you don't want to use that one. Cause that belongs to like some company you want to use hashtag Nintendo switchcraft, but thank you for, for trying. And that's something else that we re- we really don't know. Are we going to get an overclocking or performance boost from this? I doubt it. I think that everything's going to play exactly the same way that it does now. It will just use up less battery. And uh, at the end of the day, I think that that's uh, pretty fantastic because a 40% increase in battery life is really, really impressive. Uh, All right, let's wrap up the show. That wasn't so bad. Become a part of the community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. You can also watch the show live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. You can get a hold of me through email at run uh, uh, runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can holler at me on Twitter at runjumpstomp. Use the hashtag Nintendo Switchcraft. Uh, don't use Switchcraft, though. That's uh, like some drill press company or something. I don't know. Uh, if you want to support the show, there is a multitude of ways for you to support the show. Go over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. And for more content like this, go to runjumpstomp.com slash shows. The music you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. It is fantastic. I want to thank everybody who already supports the show, uh, either through Patreon or joining on YouTube or Twitch. You guys are awesome. I'll see you. Bye-bye.